join in line, uh, join online with us, O Lord. I pray, Father, for your unction to rest over your servants. And Lord, even, Father, even in the ministry of, Father, uh, answering these questions, we pray, Father, that, Lord, you would be able to take these answers and apply it and make it relevant to everybody who's listening, O Lord Jesus. Not, not only now, but in the time to, in the days to come, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come in this time into your hands, O Lord. Let your name and your name be glorified, alone be glorified in all that we do, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 <coughs> yes, Pastor. So, uh, we'll start with some contro- controversial questions and relevant also for these last days. It's question number seven in your uh, Pastor. It says, uh, Dear Pastor, Christian songs have changed and evolved so much over all these years, and these days, hip-hop and rap, etc. have been included in Christian songs. So, should we be careful with the Christian songs available these days um, to us, or is it just fine? I should ask Peter to answer that. <laughs> Peter is run for his life. <laughs> you know. Now, first, let us, uh, before we get into the meat of the question, first, let us look into uh, the role songs play. Okay, we need to realize songs. Now we are talking in the Christian church context as a believer's personal life. Songs is not specifically restricted to worship. Mm-hmm. Okay? So songs has different facets and how we use it in the church. We use it for praise. We use it for worship. We use it for proclamation of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We use it for evangelism. You know, we use it for different. So it differs but how you use it. Songs has, again, when you talk about a song, it has different parts of it. One, there is the lyrics. The most important part is the lyrics, the words. Okay, no. For a generation, for them, the most important is the music. Music is to attract and the lyrics is to edify. Okay, You cannot have incredible lyrics and terrible music. It will put off people. But the purpose of the music is to attract somebody. Mm. Like it should be soothing, it should be pleasing, but the power is not in the music. The power is in the lyrics, it's in the word. Scripture says in the beginning was the song. No, it was the word. word. In the song there is the word. A song without word. Even when we like just instrumental alone, if you know that that is a music played connected with the song, song. we already know. Amen. Okay, so the lyrics come into our mind. So please, Understand there is music and there is the the word. And there is incredible power behind music. And music is one of the most powerful mediums. Like, you know, you can have a, a song. And before you know, like, 500 million hits and all that. Any politician would give his right hand to get that kind of an audience. Which some guy sing some song and which may not even make any sense, but that's a power of music. So music has incredible power. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, like I said, no, first thing, please remember when Israel was, uh, uh, Moses sent, uh, Moses was sent by God, the two things God will say, let my son go and my people go that they may travel three days into the wilderness and they may worship me. There are three words, different translation. One is worship, one is sacrifice, one is serve. Okay? On this day. And you will realize 
with this music also, with music, all these three is connected. Offer the sacrifice of praise. praise. Sacrifices there. Okay? And those who worship Him, there are angels who are worshipping God. That's all they do. And they are serving God in worship. If preaching alone was serving God, then Peter was not serving God. Only we are serving God. Mm -hmm. We all serve. And praising, worshipping is also a way of serving God. So there is sacrifice, there is service, and there is worship. Okay. Then if you come to Hebrews chapter 11. You know, Hebrews chapter, no, 12. And verse 28. Yeah. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, no, let us have grace by which we may serve so God right. acceptably with reverence and godly fear. One of the first things you have to look at, both the song and the music, the lyrics and the music is that if I use this song to worship or to praise, will it bring appropriate reverence? Mm. Appropriate reverence. Okay. We can, uh, we can have what you call their hip hop and rap and in our own celebration of what God has done in my life. Okay. Can do all. In evangelism, when you have in a set of young people like in US and all who are into rap, you can have a rap song which declares the gospel. Okay. So what I'm talking about is every kind of a song which we may use has its own place in the kingdom yes. of God. When it comes to praise and worship, even in the praise and worship part of it, when I am praising God, I'm declaring his qualities. We have to be careful about the song and the music. When you are worshipping God, that's another thing. We have to be careful about the song and the music. When I am celebrating something which God has done, then we can bring it a little more lower down. It is okay. I am celebrating. You can jump, you can dance, you can have hip hop and everything because you are celebrating something which God has done in your life. So if we are careful about these things, then it is okay. But also remember, music is always intimately connected with every religion. Mm, every religion. Mm. It's, it's very because uh, Lucifer, we believe, was the worship leader in heaven. So music was his peculiar talent, which is brought down. That's why people will give anything for the, in, um, for music. No, for music to get that talent. So you also will have to be very, very careful if you can sing well so that you always use it to worship God, to praise God. So music is connected with all cultures and all religions. And music is powerfully used in the demonic realm to to what you call inside to raise demons. Therefore, we have to be very, very careful of appropriating certain musical traditions whose origins are suspect. Mm. Have to be very, very careful, very, very careful about certain musical traditions which were specifically actually used in the demonic. I'm not talking about in religion. It's a religion which is ignorant. There's a lot of religion which is ignorant. In every religion, there's a huge group who ignorantly worship a set of deities without realizing that is not the living God. That is out of ignorance. 
there is another one behind every religion where there is a set of people who actually are worshipping the demonic mm. and raising demons. They control these ignorant ones. So when they are using certain instruments and certain forms of music, it will be very subtly they will try to introduce into Christianity and churches. There you have to be very, very, that's if you notice in our church in all these years, we do not allow you to use drums. The big ones, the loud ones. We have our own drums, but it is, if you look at that, even in churches where they allow that, the drummer goes crazy. He has to be put in like in the COVID-19 isolation ward under glass barriers everywhere. Why do they put that? No. And if you look at any child, you leave a child alone and put the keyboard and the guitar and the drum, the child fellow goes for the, the drum straight away. And in every occult practice, the drums are used to incite, to raise the demons. The crazier they go, the crazier the beat goes. So I have a inbuilt this thing with about drums. That's why right from the beginning I told in the our church, you can use other forms of drums and what you call pads, all that is fine. But that big one, that thing, no, no. We don't even by accident want a devil to come into the church and get crushed. Let him go where he needs to go. So music and songs have its own part and we have to be very, very careful and use discernment. Mm. Ask God to give discernment because sometimes it's very subtly sold. Check the music, check the song, the lyrics. Sometimes you are like a lot of churches have banned the most popular hill song. Absolutely banned hill song. No. And not getting into a public, this thing like as to why. Even Bedel music, a lot of people, if I'm not right, Bedel music, yeah, they have banned Bedel music also, churches, because they have realized there is fundamental issues with these groups and the leadership. I'm not saying at certain, sort like uh, Eugene, what is Peterson. It? Peterson, right? He was an incredible man of God. His translation is very, very nice for outreach and all. Then towards the end, he goofed up. Then he tried to correct and God in his mercy took him home. Okay, but now because he went bonkers towards the end, does that negate all the one he did before that? No. So even with Hillsong, I believe towards the beginning and all, when they were okay with the Lord, there may be songs which are okay. But I duly, duly believe some of these big music reefs have gone on to the other side. So I don't even listen to them anymore. Any live or any of those things, I, I, I am. Very, very skeptical about them. Very, because I saw some of the videos of their last year's, uh, this thing in New York City and all that. It was almost demonic. What was going on, the, it's what would go in a satanic ritual is the way their uh, worship was, the kind of stuff was going on. Yet if you look at, ask anybody in the Western Christian world, they will say they listen to Hillsong. And you will realize you get trapped by these things because you're opening yourself knowingly or unknowingly to a realm where you don't want to go there at all. So music has to be very, very, very careful. Very careful. The song, the music, the lyrics, you have to be very... Because people all like music. That's why we stick to safe ones like Domoin and all. It's okay. Okay with it. Stick to the old hymns, and even if it comes to new ones of established meaning, who have kept their testimony consistently. A lot of them are there who have consistently kept their testimony, and we stick to them. Because I don't have time to go and research on music before I can enjoy a song. 
So we look at even the same way like we do with preachers. We look at preachers and we have seen that they have never, uh, never changed, changed their doctrine. They have consistently stuck to the core fundamentals of Christian doctrine. So we listen to them. We listen to them. We get away from people who keep on changing their doctrine. You know, there has to be something consistent about doctrine, consistent about music. Then it is safe. And well, yes, Pastor Vijay. One of the things that uh, uh, when you talk about music, mm-hmm. uh, it is also related to spiritual warfare, right? It in is, a, yeah, praise. The praise right. basically it's is a like, weapon. Mm-hmm. It, says, it says in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 21, that Jehoshaphat yeah. asked the priest to praise worship the Lord in the beauty of, of holiness. holiness. Uh, unless and until you do that, you're, you're really not effective in terms of your... Uh, you uh, look at the lyrics and you will know. If you re- actually closely look at the lyrics, a lot of, lot of lyrics, uh, sorry... Um, Lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> lot of reli- <laughs> lyrics are just relics <laughs> these <laughs> days. You know? If you look at it, it's all, all feelings. Mm. It's not scripture no. backing. There's no conviction. There's no there thing. is power in scripture. Mm. So you go to this song and you look at the lyrics and you see the lyrics are straight from scripture. It has power. It has power because that's God's word. And some of the lyrics look scriptural, but when you look into it, it is not scriptural too. It is a twisting of scripture. So we have to check the lyrics. It's very powerful when it is the word of God because like with the two-edged sword in a, no, that is the, the power of praise. The power of praise. Because, and it's not how you sing. Everybody is not talented like Peter and all. But, uh, that's not the key. The key is your heart and the key is the word. And if you can make joyfully a musical sound, God will accept it. People will put their fingers in their ears, but that is okay. You know? Uh, <laughs> but the demons will shake if it is no. And Paul, I don't think Paul was a great singer. Mm. But the chains came off. Amen. <laughs> that's important. Yeah, that's <laughs> important. Chains came off. But, sir, but in the context of a church, you don't have hip hop. No, no, you don't have. You cannot in the context of a church, church worship. You cannot have rap. rap. I will not allow rap. Hip hop or any of in a youth meeting for evangelistic, for evangelistic, kind, yeah. evangelistic kind of a meeting in a church where you have invited a lot of young people and all that from there and trying to reach out them using rap as a medium, but the lyrics are to bring them to the Lord. I would say still okay, go ahead to it, but church service no way, no way. That's no way. You wouldn't bring God down to that level. It has to be reverence. Reverence, absolutely. In the church service, please remember it is not about man, it's about God. But God, exactly. That is evangelism. It is like, you know, when Paul will use all kinds of different, different methods, even he will use that unknown God and present Christ using that. So use different things, different ways to reach out without compromising on the truth. We use different ways without compromising. Because if you compromise on the truth, then there's no salvation. Mm. It's a false salvation because it's a truth that sets you free. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So because since, since uh, it's in the context of a church, Pastor Vijay, we'll also tackle question number 11. Uh, is, it's okay. again related to something which you talked about last last time. Okay, okay. Mm. I, I've seen people in churches covering their head only for prayer when the word is spoken behind the pulpits. They remove their head covering. It disturbs me because the word and our elders taught us to cover our head for all for the full service. Is prayer different from the word of God? That we honor prayer by covering our head and remove when the word is heard. Okay, this is definitely from a sister. I know which sister wrote it, but we shall keep your identity absolutely confidential. <laughs> okay. 
Let's go to word. Let's go to the word, okay? Because this is where confusion comes and I want to be very, very clear. It's a very touchy subject because people especially, not in India, they don't get so touchy unless you're young and modern and hip-hop. But uh, uh, older generation in India, Middle East, China, most of these places don't have any issue because they understand it, okay? First, I want to look at First Corinthians, not First First Corinthians chapter 11. Okay, last time when we answered this question, first we looked at uh, the three, four concepts over there. First, verse three. But I want you to know the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So first, headship is mentioned. Okay, it's first, you know, it's got to do with headship. Look at verse four very carefully, because this is where this comes. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. And five. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. So this is talking about ministry. Mm. It's talking about ministry. Now we all are sitting there. We're all sitting there. Imagine, I mean, we have no ladies here. Imagine there is a lady here, a sister here, and I call sister, would you come and pray? The minute I'm asking her to come and pray, she is into ministry. Now she is ministering unto the Lord on behalf of the church. Okay? So she is taking a position. So when she's taking that position in ministry, in service, immediately headship comes into picture. Because whenever you minister to God in whichever format, whether it is in worship, whether it is in prayer, or whether it is in word, this is all ministry. The glory should only go to God. Because we have nothing which we have not received. We have nothing in ourselves. to. I have nothing to offer even in prayer. The Spirit of God prays through me. The breath is His. The sound is His. My strength is His. My life is His. There's nothing to boast about. Mm. So man cannot take glory in anything because it's all of God. So when you're publicly coming in a church and ministering over here, you have to be very careful about glory, headship. So it is not talking about when you're sitting in the church. You don't have to cover your head and sit in the church. It's not asking about, I mean, if you do it and there is a fan overhead, you're feeling cold, it is okay. But other than that, (laughs) other than that, the Bible doesn't put any restrictions like that. It doesn't say anything like that. It is talking about ministry. When you are ministering, when a man, woman prays or prophesies, when a man prays or prophesies, okay? Then again, they will come to Mm, there are a couple of concepts, but last time I didn't explain this. If you come down to verse 15, mm. when they will say it is talking about, then we saw it's also, if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her for a hair is given to her for a covering. So they will bring verse 15 and say, hey, this is talking about covering and a hair is her covering. If you strictly isolate that words and look at that, then you can say, ha, huh, it looks like that. But then you are taking the issue of glory out. Mm-hmm. Issue, the taking of the issue of glory out. Now you should go to verse 14. Does, does not even nature teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? So now long hair is brought over here. Hair is brought over to here. Okay? If a man covers his head, he dishonors his head. So is Bible saying if ever a man is in ministry, he should shave his hair off? No. Then I and my wife will be the bald and the beautiful. <laughs> right? Wouldn't you? Th- I mean, 
you have to put across the logic over here. So if the woman's hair is given to her as a covering, and the man, when he is worshipping God, his head should not be covered, mm. then it is talking about, then he has to shave his hair. Then actually, if you are bald, you have added qualification to come into the ministry. Mm. Elijah was taken up in the chariot of fire because he had hair, while Elisha was left because he was bald. Because that's one of the first things they say, baldy, baldy. We we can come up with all kind of interpretations that it is good to be bald if you are a man because you will be invited into ministry. That's not talking about. Then again, if you want to talk about, doesn't nature itself teach you that if man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him. That if you have long hair, it's only talking about man having long hair, then every Nazarite has to be disqualified. One of the primary symbols in Israel of people separated unto God. It's an Nazarite vow. So you need to realize it is not talking about, yes, men should not have long hair at this way, but this is talking about, uh, so many things are coming over here. One thing it will tell women, have long hair, don't have short hair. And men don't have long hair, have short hair because God has differentiated the genders. Okay, that's where all the confusion. Today what you are seeing, the gender confusion and sexual identity crisis, all is coming because we didn't stick to the simple principles of the word. Okay, let women have long hair, let men have short hair. So you are masculine and feminine, even in your hair. Hmm. And then when you come to work, pray, praise, worship, whatever in the ministry, let men not cover their head. Because he reflects the glory Glory of God. God. Because his head is Christ. So if he covers, he's covering God's glory. Woman reflects the glory of man. If she uncovers, when she's ministering, she's uncovering the glory of man. It's as simple as that. It is where it comes. But strictly speaking over here, it is not talking about sitting covered through the entire service. It's not talking about that. If you are in any kind of ministry under the church, here it makes very clearly, pray or prophesy. These are two ministries. Then when you are called on to that, it says cover. And somebody asked me a question also, if I'm alone in my room and I'm praying, should I cover? I said, if you cover it, it's good. Because there is a clause brought over there. Because right? of the angels. 11, yeah, verse 11. People, yeah, verse 11. No, there is a verse over there which says, nevertheless, neither is oh, man ten, independent ten. of woman. Verse 10, I guess. Verse yeah. 10. Yeah. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. angels. Okay, so you are alone. There's nobody, but still God says, you know what? Nobody is alone. You are surrounded by realm three and realm two. You may not see it. We know, may not see it unlike God opens our eyes like he did with Elisha and Elisha's servant. We may be shocked if our eyes were to be opened that we are probably surrounded by angels. All kinds. And two groups. Okay. Demonic host on one side, angelic host on one side. And God says, you know what? You may get into your secret closet and pray, but you are not alone. So if you see these things by faith, if you are a man, when you are, automatically we take our cap off. Automatically it take off. And you? Cover it is good. You are telling them, I am a person who is always under authority. I am always under authority. I will simply follow God's order as it is written. God says, I love you. Not that he loves you more, but he says, I appreciate. 
that you're teaching. That's what the Bible says, even the angels understand the wisdom of God through the church. So sometimes a woman consistently is in a secret clothes with a head covered and praying an incredible lesson, more than sometimes her prayer, her very attitude is teaching the demonic realm, saying that that's how you should have been come under. And therefore there is power in her life. Wow. Yes. So Pastor, one more question. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's one question, but brother, it's not there in your this thing. Oh. It says, what are the tips to control anger? Uh, it's questions from online. Tips to control anger. One thing is buy a sewing kit and sew your lips up. <laughs> because much of the anger is comes through the time. I'm just kidding, okay? Just be making people feel light. Then wear goggles because sometimes anger is seen through the eyes. If both doesn't work, put nose plugs because nostrils flare. Now coming to scripture. <laughs> Let us come to verse 19 of James. James chapter 1 verse 19. and verse 19. Personally speaking, this is one of the most fundamental, most powerful, practical tip in the Bible to handle anger. My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Two things. And don't say anything. Listen. Don't say anything. Just listen. Just listen. And after you listen, leave it alone. If it is a troubling subject, leave it alone. Think over it. Slow to speak. It does not mean as soon as you have listened and it's a very crucial issue, you need to speak immediately. Because usually, and each one of us need to know ourselves, if you are a person who was born more like, you know, feeling-wise. It's good to keep quiet. Because you're probably processing what you heard through your feelings. Stay calm. Listen very carefully. And when you're alone, process it now with your reason. Reprocess it with your reason. That's why there are, that, that one verse is the most practical tip in entire scripture. Swift to hear. Listen. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. Carefully listen. Swift to hear also means to listen carefully because watch the person, listen to the careful, don't miss out the language of the expression, the body language, and, you know, and the words. Listen carefully because if you listen carefully, you will get the message behind the message. Sometimes what is being said is not what is important. What is being unsaid is what is important. The conversation is not just with words. When a person speaks, conversation is with the entire body. From the body language, from the expression, you know. That's like Shakespeare said, one can smile and smile and yet be a villain. Like I used to teach my kids in college and school, I used to tell them, when somebody is smiling, wash their eyes. Because some of them, their smile never reaches their eyes. When you crack a joke, they laugh, watch their eyes. They just laugh to please you, but they didn't like your humor. Mm. Okay. The conversation has many, many facets. So here, Bible is very swift to hear. Listen carefully. I'm talking about subjects, serious subjects. Okay, which issues of life. 
very slow to speak. Process it. Process it. Try to put yourself in the shoes of the other person to see where they are coming from. You may have a ready answer, but your ready answer may not be a solution. Because ultimately, blessed are the peacemakers. We are ambassadors of Christ sent to bring reconciliation, sent to bring peace. So we are not trying for conflict. We are trying for conflict resolution without compromising on God's truth. Understand every issue, if you see it in that picture, then you will realize, you know what, it is able to handle. No, So I would add there, swift to hear, slow to speak, slower to wrath. Slower to wrath. <laughs> slow to wrath. You, these three things, you put it together over there and understand, you know. And uh, no, the earlier you learn, the more mature your walk becomes. More becomes. And actually, you know, actually if you listen and you, what anger is coming to the tip of your nose, but you control it and you listen and leave it alone. Five minutes, ten minutes later, you will really realize that there was nothing there. Just like the pressure cooker letting off steam. It's gone. It's over. On the other hand, if you had responded, it would have become something else. It was said and it was forgotten. It's gone. So often if you listen swiftly, most of the times I'm telling you, you don't even have to respond. You don't have to even respond. You know how many times we rave and rant? Do you think God responds all the time? Though he listens. <laughs> he doesn't respond. It's not worth responding. Leave it alone. Listen, he is very slow to wrath. And we irritate him 24-7 if he, if he were human. <laughs> but he doesn't respond. No, and that's what God is talking about. Because this is a major issue. It's a major issue. And if you handle it, you can handle relationships. We are not compromising on truth. Mm. But you don't have to hammer truth into people's lives until they are able to receive it. There is truth and able to receive truth. You know, so Jesus doesn't hammer truth into the crowds. He stage by stage by stage by stage is taking only his disciples because they are the only ones who are ready to receive the truth. No? Truth. So you need to realize when people come to you, what are they coming for? Somebody come for, I'm blind, okay, take a healing. I'm listening, take a healing. Samaritan woman, what do you want? I want that water. I need to deal with truth here. But most of them he doesn't ask. They are not looking for truth. Why should you give the truth for somebody who is not searching for truth? They are not going to appreciate it. So what is your issue? This is what you want? Take it. Go. Take it, go. And you look through entire Jesus' interactions with people. He deals with truth only with very few people because they are looking and searching for it. Now our problem is with everyone who comes, even with a headache, we deal with truth with them. <laughs> what is the problem? Headache. Lord, heal him, go. No, it must be iniquity from your grandfather. I want to know your grandfather's line and grandmother's line. Oh, you have demo. You don't have to go anywhere. He's not ready for any of those things. Leave them alone. Just pray and leave them alone. It simply doesn't work. No. Please understand, this is how it works. Learn from the master. He, Delhi, if he knew, if he wanted to speak truth, nobody would have stood before him. He knew everybody's everything. He never spoke any of those things. Because people are not ready for it. 
Yes, Pastor Vijay. So one of the important questions is the first question God asks out of the out, outside the garden is why are you angry? Why are you angry? That's a, <laughs> and he says if you do right. Yeah, exactly. No? If you do right, won't you be also accepted? And there are two things he says. Why are you angry? Why has your countenance, countenance fallen. fallen? That means he looks at the expression. Mm. A lot of men when they are talking, they don't look at their wives, they just listen. And they are busy with something else, including me. <laughs> no, that's because of experience, because you don't have to look, because you know from the tone what the experience, the expression is. If the tone is different, then you look, okay, what's wrong here? Otherwise you know, okay, that is not. But countenance is there, you look at immediately, Jesus says immediately, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? No, why has your countenance fallen? So these things are important in conversation. Yes, Pastor Vijay. <laughs> One more thing which I wanted to just touch upon this is yeah. that it's a, it's a, it's a very strong emotion, right? Anger is a strong emotion. It's an emotion, yeah. It's yeah, a very yeah. powerful, powerful emotion. Yeah. So how do you harness it in the sense that you have to look what, what will be the object of your anger? What you should be look, the object of your anger? You have to look where the cause is important enough to invest in it. Slavery was abolished by angry people who were angry at what mm. was being done mm. to slaves. And they were slave owners first. Anger is a very powerful emotion if it can be harnessed for a cause that is righteous. So in your anger do not sin, yes. but in your anger... Be, be angry. Hmm. Be angry. Scripture says you have to be angry with both what is happening, that what they call racism. You have to be angry. It's an abomination. You have to be angry with police brutality too. Be angry. What they did to that guy in Tamil Nadu. Yeah. What do you Crazy. talk about that? I mean, no, police brutality is everywhere. You see, pandemic will go away. One thing people will not forget is the image of what the cops did to the people. Over a virus, over a virus, 15 minutes late for a lockdown, and what did they do? They killed the father and the son. I mean, so who killed them, the virus or the cops? Police brutality is the same everywhere, all around the world. There is this thing. And that's one of the things. The first police reform is Put him through the psychological test whether he can handle his anger or not. Mm. Is he fit to uphold the law? Because the policeman and the man on the street losing his anger and the policeman losing the anger is something. This man has been sworn to uphold the law. So his anger is dangerous. If he's an angry man, he will violate the law. This man has not sworn anything to uphold the law. So policemen have to go through and continuously go through this process checking to handle with anger. Because you kill a person, that person is gone. Whether it is George Floyd or poor, uh, what is his Phoenix. name? Phoenix. 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 Yeah, it, is. it is the same. It is the same. It is the same. You know, anger is the same. And these are the things. The actual police reform is that it's anger management. You have to teach them. You cannot do that. No, you cannot touch so one of the one of the conditions for entering into leadership, even yeah. in the church, is that the guy has not sh- he should not be a violent man hmm? and not given to anger. Easily. Anger, yeah, anger is a very distracting. On the other hand, anger when it is harnessed, it's like hydroelectric power. When it's harnessed, it can produce a lot of good. So we have to see the effects of anger everywhere. And we have to have a righteous anger. But what you're seeing on the streets is equally wrong. That's mob. That's another anger. I mean, two wrongs don't make a right. 
It simply doesn't make a right. And I believe, honestly, I really admire Gandhi for that. That's one man who understood that it still will not. The end does not, Just the means does yeah. not justify the end. He knew the whenever there was violence, he called the movement off. And can you imagine you are on a freedom movement to send the British out of this country and set this freedom. Mm-hmm. And because there is a right, he calls the movement off, suspended. Until we have peace, I will not allow violence to move this movement forward. What a man. What a man. And he had that kind of hold over the nation that when he said no, everybody stopped. He would not allow violence. And that's what we need. What we need. You know, If it was an actually, if it was in a totally peaceful movement with tens and thousands and millions coming on the stream, the effect would have been different. Now it has been hijacked by the anarchists. Anarchists. And the nation is absolutely divided between two. And actually, you know what? This entire movement, what is happening now, will cause even more uh, racism in a different way. One of the effects of racism was segregation. You know what segregation is? The blacks and the whites were separated. You know what now? People will avoid the blacks. It's better to keep away from them because you don't know how they will feel whatever you say. Like in India, you have SCST Act. It's better not to say anything to him. Leave it alone because he may go complain and under the act you will get arrested and put. That's not the way to handle it. Instead of building bridges, instead of building building bridges, bridges, you have building walls. walls. You have building walls. It doesn't work that way. Mm. And whereas I don't blame the government, blame is always with the church. When it is a Christian nation, the church failed. Church failed. Church was a place, the city on the hill, light. Where there is no racism, apps, no Greek, no Jew, and the most anti-racist movement in the church was led by Apostle Paul, and he had to look at Peter in the face and says, "You are wrong. You just can't have it. We Jews and Gentiles, the gap has been bridged. That wall of separation has been taken off, and God has created one, one man. man. Wow! What a word! Mm. What a revelation, one man out of Greek and Jew, Gentile and Jew and they will never eat together the Jew will never even enter his house and this man has to say God has broken that barrier in Christ. And if a Pharisee can say it. Yeah, if a Pharisee, Pharisee who was born and raised up as a Pharisee could say that <laughs> there is no room for any of these things. <laughs> Pastor, some personal questions now related to Yes. Uh, it's uh, questions which I think you got also, it said, I get tired and want to give up so easily. Why? I'm on fire some days. Some days I want to throw in the towel. One thing, this is something that is common, natural to everyone who especially is in any form of ministry. There are People who are not in ministry, meaning ministry of prayer or preaching or whatever, ministry in the kingdom of God. The minute you step into it, you are into battle. Hmm. You are into battle. Please understand you are into battle. And the more God uses you to actually, I'm not talking about crowds and all, that is irrelevant. Even Michael Jackson could draw a crowd bigger than Billy Graham. So we are not talking about that. We are talking about actual people being set free. Mm. The attack gets even more. Because this is spiritual. Spiritual. And that's why we are called to walk by faith and not by feelings. 
when you are talking about, yes, you want to give up, you want to give up. Let me talk to you about after Jesus Christ in the new covenant when you look. One of the most most powerfully used man, Second Corinthians. Chapter 1. Can I have NIV? Because that will be a little more easier to understand. Okay. Verse 8 onwards. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. Next verse. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. This is Paul talking about. He's not mincing words here. He said, I thought I want to die. In each situation in Asia, he said, I want to die. I want to die. I want to despair of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril. He will deliver us. On him we set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Mm. So he's talking about real experience about how this man of God went through depression, despair. Mm-hmm. I thought I'm going to die today. Today is the day. This is the last day of my ministry. Remember some places they stoned him and left him for dead. What he went through. And I mean, you can't think that uh, he didn't go through normal feelings. Okay, now come to chapter 4. And verse 7, 8 and 9. For we have this treasure in jars of clay. He says, God will always remind you at the end of the day. There is treasure. But that is he. At the end of the day, you and I are just jars of clay, breakable. If the strength was in the clay, Hmm. then we will boast. Hmm. I can do all things. The strength is in the treasure. So we boast, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthened me. We are just jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Why? Because Mm -hmm. of the treasure inside. Perplexed. Who is that? Me. Mm -hmm. But not in despair. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of Christ in me. Persecuted. Who? Me. But not abandoned. Because he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Struck down. Who? Me. But not destroyed. Because Christ cannot be destroyed. Okay. And the next verse. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. We who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Every day you go through. You think we don't want to give up? (laughs) You know how many times we just want to say, why the hell can't we be even in ministry? We just want to quit and go back to normal life. Just go back to teaching. You know how teaching was so easy? We teach here. But that's a different teaching. Always under spiritual pressure. Classroom kya baat hai? No, teach, answer, check this, answer scripts, take your salary, go home and eat. Kushi. No, no stress. There's no stress in that. In this, it's a different. Do you think we don't want to quit? How many times we quit? I came to the point once of literally walking in for the interview. 
I thought it is enough. I had enough. I walked for an interview for English professorship in a college, and the board was sitting over there, and we were all waiting. And I was called first because of my resume. They called me first, and all the others were girls. And they said, "Oh, sir, 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 oh, you got net, and you got this. You flew everything. You will get it, sir. We better go." I said, "Just wait. Let us go through the interview. They're all new, and I was the older person over there." And I went over there, the chairman of the college also was there, the whole interview board over there, they started ex- asking me questions. In the middle of one question, I heard the Spirit of God asking me the same question which he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? I heard him, what are you doing here? I looked at him and I could hear God saying, what are you doing here? And I heard him say, get up and go the way you came. So I said, sir, excuse me, I think this job is for somebody else. I need to do They didn't know what was happening. They said, sir, 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 please, please, please sit down, sir. What happened? They thought they had offended me. I said, no, sir, excuse me. Uh, this job is not for me. I need to leave. Please call somebody. And I just walked out. I just walked out. You don't have to understand the pressure we face to quit and walk away. You're not walking away from our salvation. You're walking away from our ministry. The ministry, the pressure of the ministry. Do you think Moses didn't want to quit? How many times he said, Lord, what is this? This burden is too much for me to bear. Did I bear these children? Did I bear these children? Did I bear these Translating your own children, you can spank them. What can you do with spiritual children? They'll file a police case. <laughs> we are not Nehemiah. Who's taken the remnant... No, Nehemiah will pull the beard and all, but they won't say anything. At the end of the day, no, this guy is the king's cup bearer. <laughs> no, what can we do to him? But he is so zealous for them. No, So we need to realize, of course there will be, you get tired. But the only way is you have to go back to faith. Praise, you know, you have to put on the garment of praise when the spirit of heaviness comes. Amen. It's a real spirit, a spiritual attack. And you have to praise your way through. That's what I'm, I'm sure... I'm almost sure Paul and Silas had absolutely no clue what was going to happen in the in the prison in Philippi. I believe when they were stripped naked and humiliated and beaten, they were depressed and they re- realized we need to come out of it through through the way God has told. And they started singing and singing the way through the spirit of depression. What happened that was from God's side. They were just following scripture. When you're persecuted, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Put on the spirit of the garment of praise. What happened? Absolutely sure they had no clue the yeah. chains would come out, the doors would open, the jailer would get saved. He had no clue at all. They just put by faith scripture into practice. Mm. Just scripture. Now let me explain to you this one day. When I was working in, in this other country, when I was working in this other country, my day was, my day was like this seven days a week, uh, morning from four to eleven in the night, I work in the college come back, go with the church, teach and come back. I had no time to go to the bank or anything. So whenever I get my salary, I just used to keep it in one box which was there. And I used to lock this, uh, I have this small little house, wooden house, cottage, and below the landlord and all stay there, old, old family. And uh, what happened is that one evening I come and I just go to pick something and that week there was this bundle of notes I had put in over there. I come and look, I needed some money, so when I went over there I said, there's no money. 
whole money is gone. And the house has got only one door. And the bathroom has this mesh with a small little, I mean, nobody can come through that. So I said, how, how did this money go? You know, how did money, how did this money go? The whole money in the box is gone. How did it go? So I just made my coffee and I was sitting at my steps and I was thinking, where did this money go? Did somebody have a duplicate key they opened? And this is a country when things like this not generally happen. So I was was feeling really, really down because all the money is gone. Okay. So then suddenly this thing came into my mind. I said, okay, what shall I do? I said, no, you can't complain. Nothing like that. Those things don't work like that. no. And you don't even want to complain about it. So I said, look, let me sing. The scripture says to give thanks in all situations. No, so I just sat there, worshipped, sang, and I left. And I went, showered, changed, went to the meeting. I took my one meeting and I came back. When I came back in the evening meeting, the landlady and her two sons came. And the landlady, her elder son, and her little son. And this is a different country. And these are not Christians. The elder brother gave one to the little fellow and is telling him, fall at sir's feet and confess. The mother is saying, sir, sorry, sorry, sorry. My son got in through the window and stole your money and he had a blast in the market. He bought all this stuff and his brother looked under the bed, found the rest of the money. This is it. Sir, do you know how much was there? I said, madam, I don't even remember. I don't count, I think, around this much. She said, sir, I cannot return the whole of it now, but every month when I get the salary, I will return your money. Think about it. All I did was praise God and do nothing. Mm-hmm. These are not Christians. These are not Christians. You know, so when these things happen, these are scriptural truths. People are depressed because they don't practice what has been mm-hmm. spoken by God. You know, Jesus is going to get someone. He's going to pour out your soul. You know how he went? He went singing. Him. Even the Son of Man, who was the Son of God, was not given any other weapon to fight depression that was hitting him than to sing your way through. He went singing. Look at the Bible carefully. He sang a few hymns and he went with them. He's alone. He can ask them even to pray. They won't even, they don't even understand what he's going through. But he realized, okay, I will pray, I will praise my way through. He sang and he prayed. What is written in Philippi? They prayed and they sang. That's it. So these are fundamental things. Some days you want to give up, some days you are on fire, but every day you go on, you don't give up. Yes. So, so the question also is, so yeah, this is of course a situation wherein, um, you want to throw in the towel because there's no, you would have, you haven't done anything, anything wrong per se. And you have the pressure which has come upon you. Mm-hmm. What if you have goofed up and, and now you like, Lord, and I you still, if even if you have goofed up, you go to God, you have done what you have to do according to God's word. There is no condemnation. And if you feel condemnation is coming, you stand by way, faith and praise your way through. Still. Mm-hmm. Still stand on what God's word says. Still stand on what God says. You know. You still. You goofed up. Still. No. Isn't that what uh, David does when his son dies? Dies? Didn't he go up? Didn't his son die? Child die because of him? What does he do? He goes up and worships God. He worships God. And comes back with a word. I will not. He will not come to me. 
I will go to him. Mm. He hears, no? When he, when Asaf is talking about the wicked people perishing, he says he was feeling so miserable until he went to the house of God and heard their end. Here this is a miserable man going to the house of God and understanding his end. Both is happening in the house of God. He mm. realizes he won't come, I will go. This one realizes these people won't go there, they will all go down. You who has no money will go up and he is happy. <laughs> okay. And because we have a living God. And one of the fundamental reasons we praise God is because the war is over. Amen. Yeah, He's won it. Yes. We know Revelation 20, 20, mm. 21, 22. Genesis 1, 2, 3 is the beginning and the fall of man. 2021, 20, 22 is the destruction of evil and this new creation. We know the end of the story. So it does not matter what is happening now. We can still praise God. It's like reading a story. It is terrible what is happening. And after that, we cannot control it. And it will always go to the end. And okay, They lived happily ever after. After that, tension is chilling. Okay. In between, people are dying in sickness, ICU, ambulance. All doesn't matter because you saw the end. Mm. They lived happily. That's the story. You know it. Amen. Yes. This is again a very touchy question. It's question number five. I should have asked you before. Yes. It says, what do you do when you know you are right and the other person is wrong? And you still have to be still and sometimes wait years to see justice. Is that the plan of God? Okay. And mm-hmm. in the marriage, you have good days and bad days. So I just wanted to put them together. It's yeah. the same person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. uh, in a marriage, you have good days and bad days. Yet the bad days overweigh the good days. When you finally talk to your other half, they don't want to talk about it. They're not up to the discussion. Yet the problem has not been solved. You try to talk about it again. Your spouse insists it is fine and you should leave him or her alone. What do you do? Years later, it comes back and then you actually have forgotten the entire incident at the time. The argument escalates and you are accused of being a liar. How would you handle this? Let's look at two parts of the question. First, what do you do when you know you are right and the other person is wrong and you still have to be still and sometime wait years to see justice? Is that the plan of God? Yes. Mm. Depending upon what the issue is like. Joseph knew he was right, but he never opened his mouth. Okay. You have to look look at situations. It is not one cap fits every head. Amen. Okay, it's not like that. If it is done to you, it is one thing. If it is done to somebody else, and you are responsible in that, like you know, uh, so it it changes. It changes. When they came to arrest Jesus, Jesus asked them very clearly, who do you want? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. So he said, take me, leave them alone. I sometimes wonder if they had laid hands on a couple of those disciples, what would have happened there? Okay, he said, leave them alone. That's not a time to touch them. They will all be touched later, but that's a different thing once they have known who I am and the power of God comes over here. Okay, if you look at the principle is found in First Peter chapter 2. two. Mm-hmm. Okay, where it's 22 and 23. He committed no sin. That's your first, uh, what you call, uh, this thing. When you know you are right and the other person is wrong. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. 
Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's a fundamental premise here. You leave it in the hands of God. When will God just, just judge justly? Maybe not in this lifetime. Maybe not in this lifetime. But there's a day of justice coming. The day of church is called the D-Day. The day of judgment is coming. So maybe this lifetime, maybe not. But you don't take vengeance and justice in your hands if it is not right for you to do it. Because always remember about justice. Justice is the result of a judgment. And the unend effect of justice is righteousness. There is judgment. There is justice and there is righteousness. If there is judgment and if it is a judgment is wrong, it is injustice and the result is unrighteousness. But to judge, first and foremost, you need authority. You cannot judge where you have no authority. You have not authority. That's, that's a fundamental issue. You always have to ask, who am I in this situation? Do I have the right to judge hmm. or should I take it to somebody who has the authority to make judgment like you see in US. What's happening in US is it is not justice. It is called mob justice. The problem is the mob does not have the authority. authority yes. to, you want to remove statues? Yes, it can be removed. Statues can be removed. Why? Who put it up there? Go through the process of removing the statues. You have, it's a democracy. You have city councils, you have all that, go there, vote, take it down and bury it or put it in a museum. Yes. You can handle it all. It doesn't matter how wicked the person whose statue came down. It was put up once. And it was put up by a body which was given the authority to put it up. Let another body with the same authority take it up. So bear by what are you doing? You are saying we are people under authority. Yes. I was very happy with one statue that came down. Very happy. But I still believe the action of bringing that statue down, which is a man who is dead. I hate him with every fiber in my body. His name is Albert Pike. He is the fellow who is responsible for all the mess that we see around the world. The great grandmaster of Freemasonry. He was the most wicked man alive. One of the most wicked man alive. Okay, and I wasn't happy at all in Tucker Carlson in his 4.7 million people who heard he brought up uh, Albert Pike statue coming down. I don't know why he focused on Albert Pike and not about Roosevelt or Washington and all. I wasn't happy at all about that because he was a wicked man. But when you come under the rule of law, even that man's statue was put up by a democratic body. Another body can come through is there and say, we want to pull it down because... We do not like his. Fine, take it up. And his, don't even put it in a museum. Burn it, his statue. But this is the issue over here. When you are looking at it, when you are talking about justice, always remember. One of the best ways is to appeal to God. That's what Jesus did. Because he is the judge of all flesh. That's what um, Joseph did. If you look at Joseph, when he is talking about his situation to the cupbearer, he never mentions Potiphar. He only says he was stolen to this country. He doesn't mention his some brothers. The two people who have done injustice to him. One is his brothers who sold him and his master who falsely accused him. He doesn't mention either. 
He just says, if you manage to get in a word, just mention I was stolen from my country and you can release as a favor, I'll go back. Did you see about that? And that's what God is talking about. Always be very careful about how you handle these issues about injustice and all, because there's injustice everywhere. Everywhere. There is injustice, but there are ways. Like you know, if it if it was not COVID nineteen in Tamil Nadu, people would have been on their streets. Even now on social media and everything, there's a lot of pressure being put up over there. It should be there. There should be peaceful protests. You know that civil disobedience movement with that Gandhi's this thing. You no, know, that that has you no. Know? Don't break windows. Don't burn cars. Then the you actually lose your movement. But the movement focus is gone. Now people are who were angry over that one issue. That anger is also now diluted by this. So the country divides because ultimately in a democracy, it's what matters is public opinion, and the power is when you are able to harness all the opinion, diverge opinions into one cause. And that God, they knew how to do it. That's where power comes in. No, so you have to always think about when you want justice, the way you go it in. Hmm. You know, way into go it. And imagine Jesus could have. Exactly. Imagine Jesus when he was on the this thing, they were beating him, and he really loses it and says, "That's it, enough. I want a legion of angels come, go through Jerusalem, cut." Does he get justice? Yes. Does salvation happen? No. No. Salvation doesn't happen. He gets justice. Everybody who is part of this wicked plot finish them off, including the crowd who said, "Release Barabbas." Everybody, the angels would do it. And one day you would have a different history by saying hundred thousand died in Jerusalem and Jesus is free. But what did he come for? He doesn't want that justice. Hmm. He doesn't want justice. Okay, so scripture says he entrusted himself. Exactly. Then when you come to marriage things, you need to realize this is fundamentally an issue in almost every marriage. What happens is when issues crop up, it is not dealt then. And like people do, they sweep the dust under the carpet. Then when it is time for spring cleaning, you roll the carpet, you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't know there was so much. You know, finally when there is a breakup and they are ready to file for divorce, the kind of stuff that comes out, you mean to say you carried these things all, all these years? years. Yeah. All these years? Mm-hmm. And you are shocked. To realize the actual, the aggrieved party has a memory like an elephant. While the other person was thinking everything is honky-dory here. Honky-dory. It's like Ahitophel. You mean to think, actually think you carried murder in your heart? Such in-depth bitterness and vengeance in your heart. And every day you come and said, Hazur, sir, yes, my Lord, yes, my Lord. And gave me absolutely perfect Counsel, David could never see through him at all, but what was hidden in his heart? And sometimes marriages are like that. It's because you didn't deal with issues. So sometimes what I am to say is that years later when it come back, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Okay. The entire argument escalates and you're accused about being a liar. Leave it alone. If you know you are not a liar, you don't have to worry about it. It's like the two men sitting and discussing. One man says, you know what? He says, I can never discuss an issue with my wife because she gets hysterical. You know what it means? No, she cries and she weeps and she creates. I can never issue without she getting hysterical. She said, that's better. I can never have a, discuss an issue with my wife. She gets historical. 
<laughs> Now, this is true for men also. But the thing is that, like I keep saying, you know, what my wife, the one statement I learned from my wife is that if it does not apply, let it, let fly. it fly. Fly. Let it fly. Oh boy. Life and the kingdom of God is much bigger than dealing with this issue. Let it go. Let it pass. Let it pass. It's not worthwhile fighting over these issues. See, oneness in a marriage is to be aimed for. Mm. It's an ideal. But that isn't the whole of life. The whole of life is this. His kingdom and his righteousness. Man. Marriage is not the kingdom. Marriage can be part of the kingdom. Yes. But that is not the kingdom. Ideal marriage is not the goal. The yeah, kingdom it, of God is the kingdom goal. of God is the goal. Mm-hmm. If you make into this, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't work, you will get depressed. Mm. The most messed up marriage in the Bible was David's. Yet scripture says he fulfilled God's purpose in his Mr. generation and rested with his father. He still fulfilled God's purpose with a messed up marriage. Moses fulfilled God's purpose with a messed up marriage. Samuel could stand before the entire nation and says, can you pick one spot where I have go wrong with a messed up marriage? They all failed in their marriages, but they were all successful as men of God. So it's an ideal. It takes two to tango, as they say. But if one person does not want to tango, you can still finish your race. And that's why the Bible says two will be in a bed and one will be taken. You did everything possible to see that your marriage works, but the other person was not willing. God says, still will tell to the one who did everything possible, well done, my good and faithful servant. And what did I do? He says, I saw you in your marriage every day. I was not in ministry. He said, no. What did I do? He said, I saw you in your marriage. Every day. You took it. You still thought there is an ideal. God's part, I will keep. If he is not interested, she is not interested, what can I do? But God has said something that I will do. And God said, take your crown. Hallelujah. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, question number 10, because it's again on marriage. 10. Very, very interesting question. <laughs> very, very interesting question. So, maybe, uh, marriage is honorable. Then why do we say, as it is in Psalm 51, my mother conceived me in sin? Okay, you get, you're getting it completely, <laughs> completely confusing. And this is the confusing thing which the enemy has done. Okay, when God created everything, he made man and woman, everything, every night, every day, end of the day, he said, it is good, it is good, it is good. At the end of creation, seven, six day, he said it is very good. Okay? So, we are confusing. This is what the devil does. Everything that God does, has created in man, is good. The devil takes it and warps it and makes it evil. That does not mean fundamentally what God has made itself is bad. No, mm-hmm. it's always good. Mm-hmm. So, you're here, you're, con- you're confusing it completely, thinking that the act of procreation, that is sex, is evil. That's not what the Bible is talking about here. When it says, "My, I was conceived in sin and shaped in iniquity, it is talking about the genetic, spiritual genetic makeup of man. The mm. Adamic sin is passed down and not the act of sex was evil. That's not what it is talking about. No, it is. God said it is good. Mm-hmm. 
God said it is good. Within these confines, mm-hmm. God says it is good. That's where scripture says marriage is honorable. The better it not be defiled. Undefiled, yes. undefiled. So there, there it is good. When it is talking about my mother conceived in sin or was shaped in iniquity, it is not talking about the act that took place in the marriage mm-hmm. bed. No. It is talking about the Adamic nature that is sin and shaped in iniquity. That nature that is passed on when what you call the child is formed. It gets the nature, the human fallen nature. That's what it is talking about. Don't mm-hmm. confuse, you know, because there is this confusion always that sex is evil. Sex, no, it is not. Sex was created by God and it is good. And it is good in everything. If you look at be angry, but do not sin. sin. What does it mean? Anger is good. Anger is good. No, don't be angry at all. No, God says, no, anger is good. God is angry. Scripture says God is angry with the wicked every day. Every day. <laughs> if anger is bad, then God is bad. Because God is angry every day. No. <laughs> so it is not like that, you know. You have to be very, very, very careful about it. Very careful about it, how we read it. Okay? The thing is that everything is good when it is in the confines which God has made it. It is good. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, Pastor, two more questions from Reverend Love's Ministries. So, it says, uh, question eight says, thank you for answering most of our questions. Another question, how does one walk this walk of faith without getting confused? It is, is this from God, etc. Mm. Or as Pastor James says, presumptuous faith. Something else was said, God will answer according to the idol in our heart. Then again, the Bible said that the lady kept persisting, persistently asking the judge to forgive her and acquit her. It's a kind. It's kind of confusing. Can you clarify? Okay. First thing is that. First thing is about is when you talk about this walk of faith, there are two things about it. Okay, and don't confuse these two. One is about uh, the righteous shall live by faith, and by now most Christians who've been in a Bible believing, word preaching church, know what is to live by faith. They know what is right and what is wrong. We're talking about living that. We're not talking about trusting God for finances, trusting God for healing. We're not talking about that. Not even talking about that. We are talking about righteousness, Mm -hmm. holiness. Most Christians know the fundamentals about it. Mm -hmm. Right? There's no confusion about it. Very simple. Okay? Very simple. That's why Jesus looked at the lawyer and says, how do you read the law? He says, love God with all the heart, love your neighbor. He took the entire law and put it into it. So what is love God? One, two, three. Four. What is love your neighbor? Fifth. Mm-hmm. Okay, first, father and mother. So you're a child, father and mother, honor father and mother. And after that, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. Very simple. Not very confused. Mm. You only know that much. You already know how to walk, live by faith. Ninety percent. Honor your father and mother. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not lie. Um, false witness. And thou shall not covet. If you handle this, most of living by righteousness has come through. General. Then you are talking about a walking by faith where you hear, like, you know, trusting God for your finances. So you understand the fundamental principle of finances in the kingdom, how it works. No, trusting God. Then you talk about trusting God for your healing. And you understand that about healing, how to judge sickness and how to judge 
what is from God, what is from the devil, what is through natural means, all those things. You have gone wrong, where it is an attack, all those things, you look at it. Okay? Then you are talking about hearing from God in terms of leading. In terms of leading. Okay, let us talk about leading for marriage. Okay. Mm. That is an interesting leading, right? I have three bachelors staring at me. <laughs> okay. Okay, leading. So, the f- first fundamental everybody knows. Thou shall be not, thou shall not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So, first simple. What is that? Let the person be a believer. Simple as that. So, be very sure he or she is a believer. Mm. Believer in the right uh, believer. Second, it says unequally yoked. So, come over there and says, is a person equally yoked? Mm. Meaning, if you are a woman, the first question you need to ask is, can he lead me? If you are a man, will she be led? Mm. Can she be led? Why is Jesus tarrying for 2,000 years to make the bride to be led? <laughs> he could have come long time ago. He's not yet ready to be led. He's ready to lead. We are not ready to be led. Okay, so these two questions we need to ask. Okay, we need to ask. So these are things which you need to ask. But these are fundamental questions which will make or break your marriage. Make or break your marriage. Okay. And you have to look at the soundness of the believer. How sound is the believer? How sound is the believer? And then you look at the other areas. You look at the other areas. No. So we're talking about leading. And then, no, once you have, and God has no issues with you. Once the fundamentals are all clear, it's still going to God and putting the fleece. Putting the fleece. No. The, let us say the boy. Everything fits according to scripture. Everything. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Everything fits into scripture. But imagine, everything fits into scripture, but God actually has another person for you, which is, fits into God's plan for your salvation. This person is good. There's nothing wrong with it. But this person will not make you what you should become in my sight. For that I have another person. In that person, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, doesn't fit like this. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 7, 8, 9, 10 is there in the other person also, but doesn't fit in so perfectly like this. Okay. So, still you need to go back to God. If you are a believer, mature believer and all, you still need to go back to God and say, Lord, okay, tomorrow you will hear. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not about marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Not about marriage, you know. The, the great tragedy of life is not death, because death is inevitable. The greatest tragedy of life is a life that is lived without purpose. purpose. And you cannot live a life without purpose unless you prioritize and the greatest priority in your life is the kingdom of God. It's not you. It's not your marriage. It's not anything. It's the kingdom of God. Thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. And once you put it over there in that, everything will fall into place. Then you may hear like Jeremiah, you shall not marry. Then you may hear like another prophet, you shall marry that prostitute. Or you may hear from God, your wife will die. All of them could take it. It's simply because they had put God and His kingdom Hallelujah. at the top. 
So to believers, if you are ready to get married, you should be kind of mature. We'll always say, put it over there. Put the kingdom. That will define your eternity. Otherwise, a good marriage will define your life on earth. It does not define eternity. We are talking about beyond, because there is no marriage there. There's no marriage here. You're not going to have a married relationship over there. So be very careful. Marriage also has an end, which is called death. And after that, Christ still continues with you. Mm. Everything has to be defined in the light of the kingdom of God. But pass it on to people who can handle, handle it. it. A new believer comes, just growing, time to get married, will say, put kingdom first. No. Did you find a boy who matches everything? Okay, go marry and grow in the kingdom together. It's okay. Don't put a weight on them which they cannot carry. Okay. But we are putting the ideal over there. Because if somebody is interested in the ideal, it will work for you. Just rem- tomorrow, by the way, is my wedding anniversary. So <laughs> remember, uh, I think about, at least about six or seven years back, we were in the other place. Uh, you were mentioning about this. And you said um, in the old days uh, that there were kingdoms, right? And uh, the girl or the boy could be in love with somebody. It was but all kingdom marriages. It was all kingdom marriages. That's so how the house of Tudor and the house of exactly. the France and the... Uh, like if one of the kings hadn't died... Uh, the royal uh, royal line would have been from Holland, mm-hmm. the Prince of Orange. The, all the royal families in Europe are all intermingled. Mm-hmm. They're They're all marriage. married to each other. So if somebody died here, somebody from there could have become the king. Could have become. The the British throat would have been from the Dutch line. <laughs> because the Prince of Orange would have become the... I know my history all gobbled up over there, but I'm talking to you about, no? That's the way it was. It was no, all, all kingdom, kingdom marriages. marriages. The kingdom marriages. And kingdom marriages has its own power. Mm. Like, let me tell you, tomorrow my wife and me, we are like chalk and cheese. We have more issues. Technically, if you look at it outwardly, we should have more issues than any couple living. Because of the nature how we are. Absolutely conservative Malu and absolutely New Yorker. But you know why we hardly have issues? It's because of the kingdom. Mm. It's because of the kingdom. The kingdom takes over everything. And whenever issue comes in, we just walk over that issue because the kingdom takes prominence. <coughs> kingdom takes prominence. And that always helps. The kingdom helps. Because we know it's about the kingdom. It's not about us. It's about the kingdom. You know? And uh, that's why the kingdom has, the kingdom power will come into anything. Your workplace, your marriage, your studies, everything the kingdom comes in. And in the light of the kingdom, everything else looks... Everything like else falls looks into place. place. When you put it, he says, I will add the rest of the things into it. Yes, Pastor Vijay, there was something uh, else there. Question, yeah. question number... Uh, yeah, the, the lady about the presumptuous faith. Uh, so, yeah. Sorry, persistent so, faith. Persistent, yeah. persistent faith. Persistent, that was a different thing. She was not asking the judge to forgive her. She was looking for justice. Mm. That is Luke, now uh, the Gospel according to Luke, right? The judge. Nine, Luke, 18. Yeah, Luke 18. 18. Yeah, that's Luke talking 18. about, it's basically giving an example about praying and never giving up. Mm. There are certain issues you can never give up on. That is for praying for the salvation of people. Not people give up. No. You can never give up. You keep on going, 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 going. A lot of things in life which you know it's a righteous cause and this is a cause that cannot be put off from your prayer list. You may pray that one thing. A lot of things may answer it. A lot of things may be not answered. God says, no, I'm not answering. You chalk it all out. But there are certain things which you will never, never stop, which you know, no? God, you have to intercede, intercede, intercede. No, unless God tells that one, don't waste your time praying. That one is never coming back. Leave mm-hmm. it alone. You know? 
you know, like Samuel will tell about Saul, you will not see me, but I will never stop praying for you. Not that his prayers helped. Mm-hmm. He said, my duty I know, I will pray for you. God did not answer that prayer. You know, so that way, that is prison, so this thing. Yep. You know? An idol about your heart, yes. Be very, very careful about asking God to judge your heart. That, you know, sometimes the devil can make your feeling sound so much like faith. And it is not faith, it is just feeling. Yes, Pastor, question number nine will say, we are forgiven, we are cleansed, past is gone, but why do we have to keep asking for forgiveness and repenting for the same sin over and over? No, you don't have to. Unless you're committing the same sin over and over again. Otherwise, you're, when you were forgiven, you are forgiven of your past and all your sins. Okay? But you don't have to go back. Once Once God has forgiven you of any sin, he's already forgotten it. You don't have to go back to it that never. It's the devil who's trying to lie to you. You never have to go back to it at all. You don't have to go back. Once he's forgiven, it is more. Like when the court declares not right. guilty. Not guilty. No, you'll say, I don't believe that. You don't go back to the court the next day. I don't. Can you give me one more paper? You don't go back. Not guilty is not guilty. You're free. No. But again, if you commit the same crime, you go back to the same court. Mm. Okay. And you again plead for mercy. The law in the world may not give you mercy, but God gives you mercy because the son has paid the penalty. Okay, he gives you mercy, but you cannot keep on going like that. Okay, then you have to ask for power to overcome. Lord, yes. I need to overcome. Lord, I am, I am upset with myself, Lord, falling again and again in that area, Lord. I'm sick and tired of this, Lord. And I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassing you. I'm hurting you, Lord. Help me out of this mess. And God says, that's what I said. Come to me and receive grace for this need. And then you realize you can overcome. There are practical different ways of doing it. And the spiritual part, put it together, you overcome. Then God shows you something else. So you never have to go back over and over again for the same sin once he has forgiven. And then, yeah. How come if we see the face of Jesus, we will die? Yet you hear so many stories of people seeing the face of Jesus. Are they just imaginations? No, no. You have to realize a lot of people saw the face of Jesus Christ when he was on earth and they didn't die. And after he rose again, they saw his face. They did not die. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, he showed them a part of his glory which they could handle and they all fell flat on their face. Then he showed a little more of his glory on the road to Damascus. Saul was blind for three days. Nobody has seen God in his entire glory. And John also saw Even John, he fell, but that was just a vision. Vision, An yes. outer spirit experience. Nobody has seen God in its, in his entirety glory. We can't handle that. Mm. I believe one day we'll be able to handle it as we keep growing towards that glory. But we cannot handle God's glory. Okay, so when it's talking about, so when people see in dreams and visions and all, God is only revealing what we can handle. Mm. We can handle. It's simply like, you know, if you have a one-year-old child and you have a ten-year-old child and a seventeen-year-old child, how do you talk to the one-year-old child? You sit on the floor at his level. Yes. And you talk to them their language. No, you don't use King James version English with that child. We talk that language, you know. So God reveals Himself to us in ways we can handle it. We can handle it. So nobody has seen. Even Moses did not see. He says it's just it's just a glory part of it. He didn't see the face of God. He just sees he sees a form of me. Yes. And God, because He's not human and does not have a shape, can take any form. In any form. So whenever he came as the son of man, the angels, and all that, you know, it was only what they could handle. Nobody has seen God and lived. So we see God in Christ and through Christ. Yes, Pastor. So one last theological question maybe you want to handle, Pastor. Uh, 
It's uh, it's it's Romans chapter. It's question number six. Six. Mm, I've been wanting to send you this question since the week before. In Romans one twenty five, it says those who suppress the truth ultimately exchange the truth of God for the lie. Could you please expand what is that lie? That lie is anything different. It's it's not like one lie. Okay, it is thing is that we have uh, taught this many times in the church, and uh, the thing is that. In uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, if I'm right, yes. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. We were made in the image of God, in his image and his likeness, right? Let us make man in our image, unlike the rest of creation. He did not create the rest of creation like that. We were created in his image and in his likeness. And one of the image and the likeness of God is God is truth. God is truth. And therefore, what happens is man cannot live without truth. Mm. Unlike animals, animals don't need truth to live. They don't live by truth. They don't worry about truth. But man cannot live by truth because that's the way he has God created. So even after man has fallen, he still needs truth to live by. So what he does is that if he does not know God's truth or he cannot live by God's truth, he creates his own truth. If he doesn't create in his truth to go, he goes mad. Mm-hmm. Lunacy is a situation where you couldn't handle truth, mm. and you you just went mad because you couldn't handle it. One of the ways people go mad is because they were not able to handle the truth, so they create their own truth. So it can be anything, anything. Okay, you create your own truth. See, let us look about LGBTQ. This thing, the what is the whole truth? God did not make them that way, and that is deliverance for them if they want to. There's a God who can set them free. They'll have to fight for it, but God will set them free and make them normal again. But they don't want to live with that truth. So what do they say? They will say, I was born this way. That's the truth they live with. Mm. But that truth is a lie. And the lie will take them down to hell if they live that lifestyle. Otherwise, you can struggle with it and still not live it. And God will still love you and you're still saved and he will take you in. But if you live that lifestyle, you will die. But how do they survive that? How do they manage that in their head? And after time, after you have made a lie, your bedfellow, after some time you are comfortable with mm-hmm. it. Because the Holy Spirit just leaves and doesn't even convict you about it. Now that lie has become your truth and you start expounding that truth on the roads and the offices and the colleges and the universities. And then you have, you gather a crowd around that lie. Now that crowd gives it even more sanction. That becomes that. LGBTQ crowd mm. you have an issue with your gender but God only made you male and female he didn't make anything so you go to that and you look at that that's the truth that can set you free male and female he made them Okay, so if you are struggling with gender to 52 to 72 all kind of genders and all what is the way that you look at the truth and the truth will set you free And whom the sun sets free is free. So God will set you free if you go to God. But if you don't want to, you take God. That's why the attack is all against conservative orthodox Christianity. Mm. It is not. Let me ask you this simple question to America if you are listening. When you had these issues with racism and slavery, basically slavery and racism, basically slavery and racism, you brought down many statues, okay? You defaced so many churches. Right? We didn't touch one mosque. But Islam has an entire history of slavery. And tradition says, 
Prophet Muhammad kept slaves. Black slaves, yes. Kept slaves. But he wouldn't dare to touch. You know why? Because your narrative is not with them. Your narrative is against Christ and Christianity. That's why all of you come together. BLM, LGBT, Planned Parenthood. All of you have one single axe to grind with. Who is it with? The God of Truth. Even Islam also has a mob psychology. Islam also. Because they also have an issue. Which issue? The issue of Ishmael with Isaac. And it is Christ. The issue is actually with Christ. They'll accept him as a Nabi, but not as a son of God. So everybody has an issue with, uh, with Christ. Christ church. Okay. And then of course the Buddhists are there, like the vultures waiting for the people to die. They also have their own prophecies, by the way, that finally everybody will kill each other and the world will be finished and we will be left and we will take over the world. So they're waiting like, like the vultures for the animals to die. So everybody has their own issues. But you need to realize the actual agenda of all these movements is against Christ. The truth. So you create your own life. You create your own life. Everybody creates their own their cushion. That becomes your crutches with which you walk. And God will not accept those crutches. So there's a man in the pool of Bethsaida. He's been sitting there for 38 years. He's, anybody who has been a cripple for 38 years and you have the power to set him free will not ask him the question, do you want to be Made whole. What kind of a question is that? Do you want me to be made whole? Because nobody, most people don't want to be made whole. Because if you want, if you want to save your marriage, you will have to take responsibility for your actions. So it's better to so blame your spouse. Mm-hmm. No. Easier to blame your spouse. So do you want a marriage to be made whole? Mm. Yes and no. What does it cost me? It will cost you to pick up your mat. You've been sitting on it for 38 years. Those are your excuses. Those are your excuses. Pick it up, carry it, and walk. Enough of, to use the actual English terminology, enough of BS. Mm. Okay. You are where you are because there is somebody who is right here to set you free. But he will only set you free if you take account for your own life. If you do right, you Who too will, will be accepted. accepted. Don't Amen. kill your brother for your mistakes. Amen. Amen. Don't kill your brother for your own mistakes. That's the problem with truth. That's the problem with truth. The truth is God will set you free. The lie is you don't want to be free because then one of these, you may say, you can, that's all I said, my skin is brown. Thank God my skin is brown. So I'm between the white and the black. <laughs> America is a land of opportunities. And one of the most successful set of people in U.S., if you look at demographics, are Indians. Indians, yeah. Indians. And they were not born there. They were not born there. So Indians coming from here, whose mother tongue is not English, whose culture is completely different, who could immigrate to that nation, learn that language, and be incredibly successful, so can the African-American, if you want. If you want. You know, if you want. Anybody can be successful there. Can be. And above all, unlike the Indians there, African-Americans have added advantage. You know what that is? Faith. 
you come from the stock of Abraham by faith, and the Indian is not. Mm. And faith is an equalizer. <laughs> so, I won't buy this. If you are an African American Christian, if you are a white Christian, an Indian Christian, a Chinese Christian, North Korean Christian, any Christian, greater is he that is in you than anything that is thrown at you. Amen. That is the history of the church. I won't, I won't buy it. I won't buy it. So the problem is, if you're not a Christian, then everything is an excuse. My gender is an excuse. My sexuality is an excuse. The color of my skin is excuse. You know, my crooked eyes is an excuse. <laughs> my teeth sticking out is an excuse. My height is an excuse. My overweight, everything is an excuse. You can always find excuse if you want. But if you are a believer and you got Christ in you, you are without excuse. Amen. Because the God who created everything by the word, by the breath, is right inside of you. What excuse do you have? That's why Jesus comes and asks him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Amen. Amen. Are we done, Pastor Vijay? One, One more, more question. question. Okay. One more question and we can stop, Pastor. It's actually, it was... Uh, we finished uh, all the questions? Almost. There's two and three, but I think you can do it next time. Okay. Because more... Um, this question three was asked by somebody from Sikkim, if I'm right. Yeah. When Jesus... Both two and three, both are asked mm. by the same person. Yeah. When Jesus died for the sin of the whole world, why does he say, I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me? What about the other people of the world then? And of course, you can also talk about... Yeah, why did Jesus say he has not? He says uh, that have come for not for peace but the sword. Is he contradicting? Okay, both are like can be answered together. When Jesus is talking about about peace, you will you will get a full answer about this also. Maybe part of it also tomorrow. Okay, but one of the things when Jesus is trying to talk about peace, when we talk about peace, we are talking about a resolution for our little little issues. Jesus is not talking about that. The first peace we need is peace with God. God. If you don't have peace with God, it doesn't matter what kind of peace you have. Ultimately, you will go to hell. Mm -hmm. You may have peace like in COVID-19. A lot of people have peace. Have you heard about any Bollywood star, Hollywood star, millionaires, Tatas and Birlas and Rambanis? They are not. They are sitting in their fortresses. They have no issues. So money buys you a lot of peace. A lot of peace. But God told the rich fool, you have no clue tonight. You are going to die. What is going to happen to your soul? So when Jesus said he's going to bring peace, he's talking about a peace that comes because of reconciliation with God. When you are reconciled with God, you are an outcast in the world, in your family, even with yourself. Because suddenly there are two battle natures starting. So every day you have to reconcile with these two natures and one nature has to win over the other. If the one born again wins, then you have peace with God. If the other one wins, you have peace with the world and you have to decide which one do you want. Mm -hmm. So first the sword goes through you. Then it goes through your family. Then it go through your society. Then it goes through everywhere you go through. And that's what he's talking about. And he says, you have to decide what you want. It's as simple as that. But he will say, you will have peace with God. And then if you decide on God each time, the peace of God will come and guard your heart. All is it. Even your father is against your mother is against you. Your siblings are all against you. Everybody is against you. You still have the peace of God guarding you because you have peace with God. 
it cannot be written that God was with Joseph and he did not have the peace of God. Mm. He has peace because God is with him. Amen. Okay, he has. Okay, that's. And the second question then you have this in Jesus when he is praying the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. He is praying as the head of the church mm. for the church. He prays for the world also. His prayer for the world is repent and be saved. Mm. It's a proclamation and a prayer. Okay, like when I pray, when I pray for the saved members in my family and the unsaved members in my family, the prayer is not the same. <laughs> prayer is definitely not the same. For here it is sanctity, sanctification, to know God better. Here it is for salvation, to know God in the first place. Mm. And whatever earthly issues they will say, sickness, whatever, okay, you pray for that. Here it's a different thing altogether. Mm-hmm. So different altogether. So when Jesus is praying, he's not praying for the world. John 17, he's not praying for the world. He's praying for his disciples and all of us who will come and be part of his family through him, through them. So that prayer is different. No, that is prayer. In heaven, he is not making intercession for the world. He is making intercession for, for the, the church. Saints, for, yes, yes. for the church. But if a saint is praying for the world, he takes that prayer and says, Father, answer that prayer. Father, he is praying for his brother. He, she is praying for her sister. Father, work out things. Let's work out things so that we create a conducive situation where it becomes easier for that person to accept salvation. Still, he doesn't bend that other person's will. Still, but he will do. So that's a different thing. No. So that's the way it works. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Yes, Pastor Vijay. So next Saturday, my dear brethren from all over the world, wherever you are watching, please remember, uh, God is everything. Amen. <laughs> you have to believe that. All I need is God. And with God, all things are possible. And all things are possible with him or her who believes. Please. Right and uh, next Saturday we are not there. Um, we are not there with the Q and A, and we will give you the schedule for next week or the weeks to come tomorrow morning. So let's look to the Lord and just thank Him, Father. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you. We thank you for every brother, every sister, oh Lord, everyone. We thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. All who are listening and will here, I pray, Lord, you answer their questions, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would touch them. You would console them, you would comfort them, you would heal them, you would protect them, you would provide for them. You are everything, Lord. Everything, everything, Lord. We commit all our brethren, Lord. They are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And so many are my children, Lord. Spiritual children. I commit the brethren and the children into their hands. And I pray that you would bless them and you would keep them. Be with us, Lord. Give us rest. Us who are on one side of the hemisphere where it is dark, night, give us rest. The other side, protect them, keep them, even in their day, Lord, let them walk with you. And if you come in, tarry to come tonight, you give us another day, I pray, Lord, we'll come into thy presence with thanksgiving, with praise, with adoration, and with a heart and a mind that is prepared to receive your word, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord. We commit everything into their hands. Be with us. Go before us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.